welcome to a new season of Talking Foosball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman. This week, it's a time for dreams. It's it's a week where fans of Erste FC Köln can talk themselves into a, a trip to Europe, uh, where, where Dortmund fans can talk themselves into thinking that, that Schalke's relegation is all but certain, and where fans of every team, aside from FC Bayern München, can imagine another team winning the league and then think better of it. Uh, with me this week is one of the most astute observers of the Bundesliga out there, a man with so much to say about it. He spends practically all weekend on TV and the following days churning out thousands of words of content for his excellent newsletter. It's Abel Mesorosh. Yeah, thank thank you for uh, that really really kind uh, introduction. I hope I can do justice to it, and it's uh, obviously good to talk to you again. It's been uh, you know it's been quite long, although I'm not really sure like when last season ended and this new one is starting. So we're, we're sort of in between. I know, I know. I find that um, all the ballyhoo that we usually would put into a season preview episode, where we have like a pent up interest from you know months uh, away from you know, the German version of the beautiful game. It's all just feeling kind of fuzzy right now. Like, I, I feel like, I don't want to say it's too soon, but it feels uh, it feels a lot less, like, momentous than it usually does. What do you reckon? I guess, like, Hamburg are out of the cup, which which I, 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 was, uh, I had the sort of uh, chance to uh, analyze on, on TV, and, and Dortmund look, looked good in, in preseason, and uh, Dortmund fans are... Overreacting to to Jude Bellingham, so you you, you know that the season has has kicked off when, when when those things are happening, and so I, I think there's there's that. I think uh, Kicker has has released its uh, annual preview and and those those kind of things. Uh, so it, that that there, I mean, there's some like you know Hertha are buying interesting players. I mean, I think I think it, that that sounds like it's like you know start of the season. Yeah, fans are all back into the stadium. Thank, I mean, thanks for mentioning the positive stories coming out of Hertha as opposed to uh, what happened last Friday. We, we can we can do without that. Yeah, we're skipping that one. <laughs> Indeed, this is this is not a, this is this is the Bundesliga show. This is not the the, the DFB Pokal show. <laughs> At least not today. It isn't. Uh, we've got a lot of previewing to do from uh, from top to bottom. So uh, we're going to get down to it. All right, here comes part one of the podcast. Uh, you know, on a usual week, we'd be talking about what just went down on the match day, just gone. There's no match day to talk about just yet. We're going to talk about uh, where I think we should start among the preview. I think the, the top teams from last year look pretty solid bets to be top teams this year as well. These are the teams who, you know, either have their names etched on trophies Every year, you know the team I'm talking about, uh, as well as those who, you know, if everything went well, might just make those Bavarians work a little harder for their next honor. We're going to be looking at uh, FC Bayern München, runners-up Borussia Dortmund, last year's third-place finishers, and of course, uh, you know, Champions League semifinalists, Rasenballsport Leipzig, and fourth-place finishers, and uh, maybe up-and-comers, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Abel, I think it is safe to say that the champions of this 2020-2021 uh, season are going to come from this group. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think like it, it'd be something earth-shattering uh, uh, to to have it otherwise. Although, like it's 2020, so we can never really <laughs> rule anything out. So, um, I guess, but it's like I guess it's like bar barring that. Uh, I mean, I don't really. I don't really see any other teams just because of like, you know, the way this season is going to be of how the schedule is, you know, there, there's not going to be a winter break. Uh, there's going to be a lot of English. There, there really wasn't that much transfer movement. Clubs are obviously affected by the Corona situation financially. Now I think, um, we just got word uh, today about fans being back allowed in the stadium, but you know, like a team like Dortmund is losing, Four million per match day, and uh, even if they get some of it back, with now twenty percent of the fans being back allowed into the, the the sitting areas, I mean, sure, it's it's something, but yeah, basically everybody is really super cautious in upgrading their squads, and that 
kind of answers the question of, well, who can really challenge when you don't really upgrade your squad, right? Like, and then <laughs> I think that also uh, kind of answers any questions about who can win this league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have four teams who, uh, let's face it, aside from, you know, the, the step that was between fourth and fifth place, there were some pretty big gaps uh, in the table uh, after those teams last season. And I think even just the eye test of, of you know, watching through the year and, and seeing which team teams gave Bayern a hard time some to some beat them there's just not a lot of teams who are sort of up to to being in this this top group and if you can't if you can't find any new players to buy to really take you over the top or if you're finding it difficult in a summer like this where um you know transactions of any kind are difficult you know you're not going to get yourself into the next tier i think the only the only caveat i would put in there about the the transfer market is unlike most seasons i mean I would say in most years, it's it's usually, you know, the season starts and then maybe two or three weeks uh, in that the transfer window closes. Um, the transfer window is staying open for a while this year. Um, and, and it could very well be that, you know, we're going to get about um, – we're going to get about six weeks of, uh, of of the transfer window staying open. Things could happen, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think things are kind of happening even even today. And then as we speak, there are more and more, like I think just in the past couple of hours, there there's some interesting moves that we will probably talk about. So yeah. I think, I think there's yeah. Major, major traffic between Cologne and Berlin today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, some some also minor moves with, with you know, Freiburg getting a goalkeeper and yeah, some other kind of, yeah, it's just a lot of like people trying to move, uh, offload some, some, some high wages, uh, you know, sort of second goalkeepers, you know, injuries and, you know, Schalke loaning players like, like it, but it's a lot of those kind of smaller things, which, which could still make a difference in, in, in some of those battles. But I think you could, you could also make the argument that there was a lot of out traffic, outgoing traffic from the Bundesliga and a lot of star talent has left the, left the league with, you know, with the Kai Havertz or Timo Werner. And yeah, whether that has been replaced, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a tough question. Yeah, um, I guess I guess with Leroy Zane, but like well, like we were like we had to we had to do a, a segment on our on our show yesterday about the top five transfers, and you know I think I put like Max Cruz a second, and and, and, and I like Max Cruz a lot, but but you know it was it was kind of it's kind of kind of difficult to. To you know, I, yeah, obviously, I like Jude Bellingham is one, but, but yeah, it was kind of kind of difficult to to make a top five even. And when it was about the outgoing, we had like a list of fifteen or something where we were just you know players who exited the Bundesliga and like a Philip Max even is, is yeah. you know somewhat a fairly notable transfer going to PSV, but you know, and then some of the retirements obvious as well. So yeah, it was definitely definitely seemed like uh, or even just like you know like like Freiburg players moving to Leeds and Benfica, like you didn't really see that in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a strange summer in that um, I think, you know, every year, every every few years anyway, you, you get some of these young stars who sort of get ripe to the point where they're ready for a big money move. Things like Timo Werner and, and Kai Havertz getting their, their moves to Chelsea. But a lot of those ones you just mentioned under the radar, I mean, other ones uh, that, that come to mind, things like Kevin Folland leaving over a sort of, you know, salary dispute or, or Weston McKenney, who is a player that, that Schalke have, have said didn't really want to sell, but felt that they had to because, you know, they, their, their financial situation is just so poor that, you know, this is going to be a weird Bundesliga season in that a lot of players, not just at the very top level, but even like sort of, um, you know, players who are important to their clubs, but not necessarily superstars have taken off. No, I, I agree with you. And again, it's kind of the, the sign of the times. Like we, we, we've talked about the, the sort of financial hit that Corona has had, you know, Schalke with 200 million in the, you know, just in, in, in debt and um, I think you know, like there are a lot of clubs that are they're still financially well off, but like like a Dortmund, but but they don't really want to spend because they don't they don't feel like now there's now it's like they don't feel like they can catch Bayern, for example. Um, there's also some other clubs who are sort of cautious about spending. There's there's just some clubs who are you know are like aware of you know trying not to get relegated. So there are some clubs that I think that are making some smart deals, like like Union Berlin, for example, but. Um, yeah, overall, I think I think there was some statistics about this. How it's like um, the, the the total amount of of, of money um, spent like this summer is is much much less. Like like maybe a, maybe a third of what it, what it normally is uh, in, in a in a sort of a Bundesliga transfer 
period. So it, it just it's just kind of it's just kind of like this this thing where you know, or even like there's also clubs that that like I guess the knock on effect of like not really having market. Like people don't want to sell below market value, and we saw that with the Jaden Sancho thing, where United were just like, "Well, can we negotiate?" And Dortmund just said, "No, well, this is the the fixed price of one twenty or Gladbach were you know unlikely to sell anybody, um, and and because they, they would they didn't feel like they would get the, the the market value. So there's a lot of those teams, but then there's also like Leipzig who have the financial fair play issues. So so they're like you know they're haggling over whether they can play like pay pay. 20 million for Alexander Serlo. So, so it's, it's a lot of this kind of um, smaller problems, which, which overall kind of create a, 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 a quiet um, transfer period. Yeah. Well, I guess for that reason, it is in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, everything's going to stay the same, uh, at least in this top four group, I would reckon uh, we, we can sort of go into the reasons for that. But I, let, let's start off by talking about Bayern. Um, they are the team that is, you know, on everybody's lips anytime you talk about the Bundesliga, especially at a point in time when they have just come off of, uh, you know, a treble, uh, an, an undefeated march through the Champions League, um, undefeated in all competitions since uh, last December. This is uh, a juggernaut like we haven't seen in the Bundesliga in a while. Does it, oddly enough, for all the title wins that Bayern have piled up, you know, over the last eight years, um, this almost felt like one of the most dominant versions of that, at least through the last, you know, six months, you know, <laughs> with a with a Corona pause uh, in there. What is what is their best case and worst case scenario this year? You reckon? I mean, I think the best case scenario is, is something that my that my colleague was discussing uh, yesterday. If they could go like undefeated, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Invincibles, Bayern, Invincibles. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's probably about the only thing that Hansi Flick still has to <laughs> live up to in you know less less than a year of of, of coaching them. And I think I think that that's really it. I mean. Uh, in some ways, this side is much better set up than the, the previous triple winning side because that was really like an older side, kind of just like a last hurrah thing for for Hankus. And this is, you know, all their like they, they've sort of seamlessly made the transition from the Robin Ribery era to the sort of Gabri, Kimich, Goretzka, you know, Alfonso Davies uh, era with with Lewandowski and Müller still kind of hanging around and Alaba being a key player. Um, so. I mean, and really, there's there's a lot of still PK talent who you, who you would certainly back at least for a couple of years, if not more. And with Sané coming in, obviously, is a huge upgrade. I think really the worst case scenario is is you know, I mean, like Hansi Flick was complaining that you know, they need to get like a backup right back because Pavard doesn't want to play right back, and they could use like a fourth winger and like maybe a number six because Javi Martinez is leaving and Thiago is probably leaving. But that's kind of the worst case scenario: is like Thiago leaves to Liverpool, they can't uh, work out a deal with uh, David Alaba's agent, and Uli Hoeneß says like three other dumb things, which which actually that, that that's probably like a realistic scenario. <laughs> Indeed, but, um, <laughs> that's um, a, that's a certainty. <laughs> More or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that like like several players get hurt, or there's like you know the viral thing with. I mean, the, the, those those like those are like the kind of horror movie things that that, that can happen to any team. But I, mean, I think barring that, it, it's it's, it's kind of hard to see. Um, you know, like this team, this team really not winning because even, even if like like some of those things might happen, like. Even if like they lose Thiago, I think I think they can withstand that with like Kimmich and Goretzka and you know maybe maybe using like Alaba in midfield or Adrian Fine or Tolisso or you know there's a bunch of players there that, could, that you could still trot out against like Augsburg and still 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 crush them. So it's that. I mean, maybe I guess like the thing that I heard that I was thinking about today, and I think the Rasen from guys mentioned this is that they they started you know because of the Champions League obviously ending and. You know, three weeks ago, they started their training just just now, like maybe early, like a week ago or so. Mm-hmm. And and they have to play their first game, so so it's not ideal to have like you know they had to postpone their cup match against FC Duren. Uh, so maybe there's that, like they 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 kind of come slowly out of the gates. But uh, I mean, it's it's those kind of things which which is which is. We can always speculate. It's it's kind of like the, the preseason speculation, which which really I'm I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, 
you know, obviously as somebody who is, is not a Bayern fan, I mean, I, I'm not not a Bayern fan, put it this way. I, like, I, I don't have anything against them. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have a lot of time for the way that they have, you know, done things like manage the transition uh, to, to a, a totally newer, younger side. But at the same time, I don't want Bayern to win the league. I, I feel like it's, it's become excessive. It's become uh, something of a, of a hindrance to, you know, both the way that the league wants to promote itself as well as, as you know, sort of, the, the sort of financial dynamism of the league. It's kind of, you know, it creates a lack of ambition among other clubs. So, you know, the last couple of years I have gone into the season thinking, uh, you know, maybe Bayern uh, are going to have uh, an off year, especially when they have a new coach like Niko Kovac, who of course didn't end up really working out. But this year, I mean, <laughs> I just can't talk myself into anything but them winning the league. I mean, if if everything went wrong, I still think, you know, the the worst they could do is is you know second or third, but that would be just take so much you know bad luck. I think. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of how I am because like they 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 won with eighty two points, which you know factoring in the Niko Kovac beginning until November, and but then after that, just like they won every game, and, and you know after the Gladbach Leverkusen where they dominated both games, Indeed, just, like, yeah. just win every game. It's it's, it's 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 and and they had to deal with injuries too to. to a number of players and you know they still got it done so i don't know i i i, I it's also and this is this is I'm, I'm right there with you where i just can't talk myself into any other teams because all those teams that that kind of are chasing them they really didn't get better i guess maybe gladbach kind of barely did but like certainly not dortmund or leipzig all right, let's talk about those other teams, starting, I guess, with Dortmund. Of course, you know, your favorite team, uh, the second best team in, in last year's Bundesliga. I think the sort of short and sweet read on them um, has been, you know, it's 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 an elite finishing school for the stars of tomorrow. But, you know, when it comes to actually asking them to put together a consistent stretch of more than, you know, six, seven, eight games, they're just not up to it. Is there any reason to think that that's going to change this year? Yeah, and also like there's the thing with Lucien Favre is in a lame duck situation of he is basically an expiring contract and he's making all these demands and they're he tries he's trying to play with four in the back when the big revelation last season was playing with three center backs and two really good wing backs. They don't have Hakimi anymore and Thomas Munier. Yeah, one of whom is not there anymore. Yeah, and Guerrero is injured, so they they played Torgan Hazard, who was really good as left wing back, and that's a good idea. I think I think we were actually talking about that with with, with Luca on on the, on the newsletter. Luca Giel follows uh, Dortmund really closely, and they, Thomas Munier I thought looked good against Duisburg, but yeah, I think he's still a downgrade on, on Hakimi, which almost anybody is, um, despite sort of his defensive shortcomings and. Yeah, they, they've got, like, they don't really have center back depth because of, like, Zagadou is injured, so they're playing, like, Chan, Akanji, Humos, and Piszczek, basically. But they've got depth everywhere else, you know? So anything from, like, the midfield and, and, and the front, it's just they're just loaded with talent. But I guess it's kind of like the Julian Brandt conundrum, who, you know, is a wonderful player on his day and can look world-class, but then also... There's games where you don't notice him, and you really can't do that when you're trying to win the title. And I think like that was kind of the 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 talk, the chatter coming out of Dortmund is that, you know, there's a lot of these training sessions where you know it looks nice and players are having fun, and you know there's lots of long, young guys doing tricks and you know elite finishing or whatever. But and I think Hummels spoke out against this publicly is that there's just not that edge of you know just like you know going the extra mile or just you know, really training hard and yeah. And, and, and you don't, maybe don't have those sort of players who will, cause even like Witzel, who's like one of the leaders, right? Like he doesn't really strike me as, as that kind of guy who, you know, who's willing to always go. Like, like I, I see him like counter pressing really strong in the beginning of parts of the season, but then like he fades down the stretch and, you know, most, yeah, he might be that kind of leader, but he's also not like, not in that kind of shape anymore. And Royce, it's hard to say, cause he's always hurt. And although he came back and scored a really nice goal uh, yesterday, but uh, yeah, I just, I just feel like there's a lot of parts and obviously, you know, unlikely that a lot of these young players are going to stick around for, you know, two, three, four, five years. So maybe there's that. And it's just, it's just, and it's also like, you know, Bayern are really, I think they're sort of unbeatable. So uh, I, I feel like they probably also know this and they're just like, well, 
are we going to really kill ourselves for for Favre <laughs> when when he's no longer there? And you know, if, if things like I think this, there's also like a small amount of like the the disaster potential if like things don't go right because you just have like no reason to play for Favre anymore at that point. Sure, sure. I mean, I think on the other side of things, though, is. Even even if the players know that that uh, Lucy and Favre might not be uh, hanging around for for too much longer unless uh, something something changes dramatically, there is an internal motivation. I, I would have to imagine among some of these young guys like Jaden Sancho, who you know his you know will he or won't he story really dragged on for much of the summer, probably more in the minds of of, of you know <laughs> English journalists than than in reality. But you know, be that as it may, I don't think that that Jaden Sancho is going to stick around for more than one more year. And depending on how things go, I don't really know what. Erling Haaland's plans are either. Is there a world in which, you know, those those two guys who who might be, you know, thinking about their next move, plus a, a couple of other guys like like Jude Bellingham who's brand new or or another very young guy like uh, you know, Gio Reyna. Is there a world in which everybody just, you know, the the two guys who we know are going to be great, which is to say Haaland and and Sancho go up another level and guys like Bellingham and Reyna, who we aren't quite sure what we got yet, turn out to be extremely good and they just put it all together in one season and, you know, Bob's your uncle. It's, I mean, that, that's that's kind of the optimistic version, right? Like all those guys and then you get like a rare healthy season from Marco Royce and then, you know, Hazard contributes. <laughs> and, eh, that's too much to ask for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe that's not, yeah, let's not get into the Dortmund Twitter wet dreams section of the podcast. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's plausible, but you know, you still not, then you still not, are not sure with Berkey and you know, that you got the, the, the backline issues. But it, I mean, I, I think like there, I think we, we had a discussion with, with Luca on, on, on the newsletter podcast where like he said that like Dortmund have better depth than, than Bayern. And I think that's probably not unreasonable because there's still Julian Brandt is still there. You know, I mean, uh, Bellingham is giving them a dimension that I think they didn't have since Gundogan maybe. So, but, but it's just, it's just, you know, like, like Haaland is playing a full season. Reyna has played only a few hundred minutes and he's already, you know, a, a really good Bundesliga player at barely set at he's 17. So yeah, I, I can see it happening, but I think also like the hard part is going to be the schedule and how, how do you, you know, rotate all these players. I mean, Favre has asked for like two teams of 11 that he can rotate. And <laughs> I mean, I think that idea hasn't worked since like uh, Berlusconi tried it in the nineties with Milan. It's like, it sounds like a good idea, but then once you tell like guys, Oh, you're not going to play. And, and what do you, what about the continuity part of it? And yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a nice idea to think about, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, I just think like there's maybe like a two to 3% chance of, of all of this, like, happening and and it's more of a case of like Bayern really need to do something dumb and that that that's kind of the way Dortmund can win it. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right, but I, I would love to see that uh, you know, black and yellow swan uh season uh take place and 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 for them to actually put it together when we don't expect them to push Bayern as I really did in the last couple of seasons. Let's talk about Leipzig. They of course have the feather in their cap of 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 you know having appeared in the Champions League. Semi-final, they sort of proved uh, their medal slash, you know, put themselves on on the world stage a little bit more than they had been in the past with that. But uh, of course, they did. Um, <laughs> they lost thirty-eight goals uh, from last season. You know, twenty-eight from uh, Timo Werner and ten from Patrick Schick. That has got to hurt. You know, do do you see them either in the uh, you know existing squad they had remainder from from last season or in any of the newcomers, anything like a, a compensating factor for that big big loss? I mean, like if anybody can make up for it, it's Nagelsmann, right? Because he's made like anybody at Hoffenheim it's true. scoring eight to ten 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 goals. Like the, the names that I mean, let's not even get into them, but like so. You can talk yourself into like Danny Olmo, who you know came in January and really started to look good. Like maybe in the Champions League, and Kunku has 
had a really good start and then dropped off. Um, he Chan Huang. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned. I think uh, I, I really like as a playmaker, kind of you know, guy who embarrasses Virgil Van Dyke on occasion, and uh, maybe not like the purest goal scorer. But uh, yeah, I, I think you can you can do that. Your know, Polson maybe now that like he doesn't have to split some of those minutes with with Schick can can get rejuvenated. Um, you know, Zabitzer, if he if he scores like the beginning parts of last season, like I think they're they're still gonna have a dominant game. So in some ways, like I don't think like yeah, like obviously Burner is a big loss, and uh, yeah, I think I think maybe um, maybe I mean I don't love the idea of like not being or not being able to afford like Alexander Serlos, who you know is on like eight eight teams at age twenty four, and he crushed the Turkish league, but it's the Turkish league, so. It's hard to gauge that, but like when they're citing financial fair play for not being able to afford him, that that's probably not a great sign for your ambitions. And like the biggest signing is Angelino, who he's he's a he's a nice player, and Nagelsmann is a super big fan of him. But I mean, I don't know. It's uh, I mean, there, there's some Hudson Odoi buzz as well. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of I, I could see them like getting like generating enough goals to like get to like the top two or top top two at best but not like to contend for the title interesting uh because we did have actually a a uh listener question from adam duda in uh new zealand who is is actually working on the premise that you know leipzig for him are are the only realistic challengers to uh Bayern simply because uh i guess he feels that that Beifau bay have sort of committed themselves to you know player development young player development um so so strongly that you know searching for consistency which has been a problem for them in the past few seasons is going to is going to bite them again do you do you buy either of those those premises or um do you do you think that they are any less strong or more strong than than, than Dortmund as legit challengers i think they're a little weaker just cuz of like Conrad Leimer is going to make mix miss a few weeks because he's got like arthroscopic knee things. Zabitzer is not quite healthy. Um, I did, did get pick up Benny Hendricks, who uh, we were both big fans of from you know mm-hmm. once Leverkusen and lately of Monaco, and he's going to play a lot of any sort of wide variety of positions. And he's, he's already like a Swiss Army knife. And then imagine what Nagelsmann does with, with players. So maybe he'll be the one getting 10 goals. I don't know. Uh, and a few extra attachments, you know. They'll yeah. have the, we'll add the scissors, the scor- corkscrew, <laughs> yeah. and uh, the toothpick. I mean, yeah. So, so, but, but, but it's like, I think had they, had they signed like, I don't know, like a, Maybe John Cordoba is not like the greatest answer, but like, you know, some, some sort of striker who, you know, he's like a, and this is kind of a cliche, but like a proven goal scorer-ish guy who, who, you know, like, like, I don't know, I would have, I would have, I would have been much more like, you know, comfortable just, just picking them for, for maybe like an upset thing. But, but I think like that this is what we saw from them, like down the stretch, like, you know, they, I think it's easy to forget now, but they went into the winter break leading the Bundesliga by five points and everybody was making that, Oh, there's like, you know, 30 or, or 36% or maybe it was 63% of the, the teams that led uh, will go all the way. And I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's just kind of, yeah, it's just hard to, it's just hard to imagine a world where, where they, where they, or even like an Andre, Andre, like an Andre Silva, I think, I think uh, would have been. I mean, not that they were in for him, but like with with the goal constraints, it's it, it's it's hard, really hard to say when, like, you know, like half half your team goals basically just just up and leaves, and then, you know, and like the rest of your guys are, you know, other than Marcel Sabitzer, nobody else scored more than five goals. So it, it's just it's hard to, and and the players that you brought in are not like the the you know, 15, 20 goal scorers, but more like in the five to 10 range. So you really got to trust that Nagelsmann can create, which, which he has done to be fair. So, and they're going to have a good attacking team. So, yeah, but I don't think they're going to challenge for the title. Uh, and finally, Borussia uh, mentioned Gladbach are, are the other team at the top four. I think we need to talk about, um, I think last season we 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 all kind of felt like they I don't know maybe overachieved slightly oh, for but sure. you know it definitely felt at a at a point in time like um there was a plateau that they had reached they they started strong they ended strong had some some questionable stuff uh going on in between I th- I was a little worried about um their their pretty 
poor Europa League campaign, especially now that they're going to be in the Champions League, which is a, a, a much higher prestige, higher profile competition that they're not going to be able to sort of half-ass, let's just say. Where do you see them going? I mean, one thing I found very interesting is that the only players they bought are Hannes Wolf and Valentina Lazaro, both of whom played for Marco Rosa mm-hmm. yeah. in Salzburg. So they, they probably are not going to take a long time to bet in. Do you see them having a, a higher ceiling than, than last season, or, or is it going to be sort of a similar deal? I think like there's two things that keep me from saying yes. Is One of them is the schedule and Champions League. And the second, because they're just going to play so many games. Like I think in the Champions League weeks, uh, the group stages are shorter now. There's there's fewer breaks between them. And the other thing is just the, the, the injuries that they have, like, you know, basically like, um, it's minor injuries, but Embolo, we saw Ginter hurt Embolo in the Nations League match uh, against Germany and Switzerland. Mm. It's not like long-term injuries. I think Laszlo Benes is, is out. So he's not like a major player. But uh, yeah, there's there's things with Marcus Duram, Alessandro Plea all kind of started preseason fairly late. So um, I think like Partu Kerman was playing number nine for them, which which could, you know, that works. I mean, I, I don't think that that's a bad, bad option. And they did get like, younger because of like you know Raphael and Strobel and Fabian Johnson all all leaving um but uh, yeah like I think the biggest thing is keeping the squad together like they didn't you know they didn't didn't get received like right offers for Zakaria who let's not forget like I think was like was in the team of the season for me until he got hurt and you know never really came back after before like he got hurt before the COVID break um like they were able to keep Neuhaus, which is a big thing. Nobody picked up Marcus Turam. So like all those players to me still have a lot of potential for development. Like these are guys that are, you know, 21, 22, 23. You know, uh, I like the Jordan Byers getting some minutes. The, the Valentina Lazaro can play a lot of positions. I think like um, there's a good interview, Ralph Posse, who is a Gladbach reporter. Did, did, he was at the training camp and he did a couple of good interviews with Rosa and then Lazaro and Lazaro is supposedly like more for the winger roles, like as a left-sided winger, right-sided winger, but he can play like any of the fullback roles as well. So he could, he could be kind of a, although he got hurt. So <laughs> right away he got hurt and he'll be out for a few weeks. But, uh, and Hannes Wolf uh, is like one of the favorite players for uh, Verne Maric, who's the assistant coach. So if anybody can kind of, you know, get a lot of out of him. That 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 could be him, and he could play like a ten. He could play out wide. So there's a lot of flexibility there, and and, and I think that could work. I, I would if they if they played in the Europa League this season, then they could have, as you said, like half asset. I would have I would have been like happier picking them to be like third third or second even. Um, but I could still love, I could see them like getting third over Leipzig. Maybe that would be my sort of somewhat going out on a bold prediction. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I mean, you know, if we think this is a fairly closed ecosystem uh, of teams who have a legitimate chance to, you know, push for the title or even, you know, finish high up, which of these four teams has the, you know, strongest possibility of taking a tumble? Do you reckon? I I say it's probably Gladbach. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess. I mean, maybe, but eh, I I, I feel like Neither. Like, I, I just don't feel like any of these teams are going to finish outside of the top four. And that's just because of, like, um, the other teams below them. And I put Leverkusen in that tier. And I'm sure we're going to talk about them soon. But I just don't feel like any of those other teams are going to have enough quality to to catch them. Like, like just just a gap between them. And, and now I think Leverkusen is fairly in that sort of outside of the top four is just so wide. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like maybe Dortmund because because the 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 coaching situation is the least stable there. Like I don't I don't see any of the other teams like firing uh, their coach midseason. But like Dortmund, you could see like the, I mean, uh, not to give anybody Peter Bosch flashbacks, but like maybe you could see something with Favre where things don't go right like they did last season early on that they get rid of him and then you know maybe <laughs> maybe maybe it just all implodes. So I guess I'll say that. Fair enough. All right, we are gonna you know pause for a moment, and when we come back, we'll we'll talk about the rest of the league in in, in a few sort of um, easy umbrella style categories. So uh, yeah, stick around.
Okay, so we're we're back here on Talking Foosball. It's Matt Herman and Abel Mesorosh talking about what's to come in the Bundesliga this season. You know, despite the fact that, you know, by, by dint of their table finish um, last year, uh, it probably would be fit and proper to talk about the teams in fifth, sixth, and seventh place. Um, I don't really want to because those are kind of your some of your, your dimmer lights of the Bundesliga. And, and by that, I mean these are what Germans call plastic clubs, uh, clubs which uh, are, are basically attached to company support or, or you know, um, support uh, that, that that sort of takes them outside of the, the normal 50 plus one type ecosystem. And nothing against that. You know, the, the, these clubs are, are you know, they, they're, they're legal and all that. But I just think there's a lot juicier stories um, among the sleeping giants, which um, what I would say are uh, the, the German term is, is Traditionsvereine, traditional clubs. These are, are clubs that sort of have a lot of history. They've got a lot of members. Most of them are from large uh, major cities. And there's just way more storylines, way more, you know, juice inside the fruit uh, for these. Uh, I'll, I'll just run them down real quick. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt. Hertha Berlin, Hertha BSC, FC Schalke 04, Erste uh, FC Köln, Werder Bremen, and VfB Stuttgart. You know, there's a couple of interesting uh, top-line stories here. Of course, Stuttgart are back in the league after a couple of years out. Uh, Bremen barely stayed in the league last year, having to save themselves in, in, in relegation. Schalke are in a great deal of turmoil, financial trouble. I already mentioned earlier they had to sell uh, a, a pretty important player, um, even though they didn't really want to. And then you have uh, Hertha, who who have tons of money, and, and everyone knows it. And they are trying as hard as they can not to spend it foolishly. Um, thus far, that has happened. Uh, but at the same time, the re- early results are not that great for them. They already got knocked out of the cup. Thinking about these teams, who do you see as um, both having the most compelling storylines? And who do you see as having the best chance to, you know, knock on the door of that top four? That's hard to say. I actually, I, I'm going to go with like Frankfurt. That this is a team that I'm picking to be like even in the Europa League, like maybe potentially like fifth, sixth place spots because of you know if you don't remember like last season they started really really early their season and they were basically like they played like 29 games by Christmas, which is ungodly. And Hitler was complaining and everybody was just really tired. And they, they had like good underlying numbers. I mean, that, that was kind of the, the, the funny part about uh, Eintracht is that all, all through the year, while like, remember like when they, they beat Bayern and they fired, got, got, got Kovac fired and um, they had really strong underlying numbers. And they still were like the, the eighth uh, yeah, seventh best team by expected goal difference last season, despite, mm-hmm. you know, a, a minus one goal differential and a really, really tough season for Eintracht, but they came in, came in ninth and uh, it was, you, you know, they don't have to play the, the, any European competitions, so they can, they, they got also got rid of a lot of their older players like Marco Rus and uh, Jonathan de Guzman, I think is no longer there. Um, I think Simon Follett is leaving. So they're, they're, they're thinned the squad a little bit. And I think there's some internal improvement from Kamada, who uh, I think is, is, is could be like a Shinji Kagawa type of playmaker. Um, Andre Silva has secured, uh, and he scored actually the most goals since uh, the COVID break. So he had a superb end to the season. You can talk yourself into Bastos finally, like getting a good season and getting on the end of the million Philip Kostic and Dani Da Costa crosses. Yeah, so they, they were able to hang on to Kevin Trapp and Adi Hütter got a contract extension. So there's lots of like there, right? I think I think just because of that, they could, they could, you know, and it's like one of the things about them playing fewer matches is they can finally like play their pressing style because that's obviously a lot easier to do that when you have legs, right? And um, and I could I could see that uh, this season that this could be this could be something for for Frankfurt now. Yeah, it's not like all rosy because I think Endika is, is hurt to uh, to start the season. Um, yeah, like they've got like Steven Zuber who who, who, they, who they traded for Gacinovic who could be a link. I think they're loaning Paciencia to Schalke. They are so so they they did a couple of couple of players and you know. You're you're still relying on David Abraham and Makoto Hasebe, who are like seventy years old. <laughs> I mean, com- combined. If they were if they were one man, 
<laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, and the defense sometimes. I mean, they conceded sixty goals last season, so uh, uh, that's not that's not really ideal. And um, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it 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 could go um, a lot of ways for them. Um, I think they're still playing a little too much of like Dominic Cor and Sebastian Roda in a double pivot, which I mean, I don't know. It's hard to get excited by by that. But they have like a decent schedule in the first four or five rounds until you know Bielefeld, Hertha, Hoffenheim, Köln. It's not you know murderers row, so they could get off to a a decent start, and then you know who knows. Yep. Yep. Well, you, you know, you mentioned in that murderer's row, not really murderer's row, uh, a, a couple of other teams in this category, which is to say uh, Hertha and Cologne. Um, I guess we can put them together uh, simply because this week they've they've conducted a fair bit of business together. We have John Cordoba, who you mentioned earlier. You wished, uh, uh, you know, a team like Leipzig, who was searching for a more proven goal scorer, uh, could have gotten their hands on a players like him. Uh, and, and Hertha are the team uh, who actually picked him up. They had to spend a fair bet, $15 million for him. Uh, they're sending uh, Andre Duda in the other direction for, you know, something like 6 or $7 million. Um, these are two clubs which, in a lot of ways, have a lot uh, in common in that they're both big city clubs who have spent, a, you know, a fair bit of time in the second division in, in the last couple of decades. But in almost every other way, things are really, really different. I mean, Cologne seems to have a, a lot of bad press gathering around it. I, I You know, reading reading in, in the German um, newspapers, there's been quite a lot of, um, you know, former players, former functionaries worried about the direction of the club. Hertha... You know, <laughs> they got themselves into a whole lot of uh, narrative trouble last season and are now hoping that that Bruno Labbadia, uh, who is nothing if not a safe pair of hands, uh, can can actually give them a season where they aren't, you know, holding on for dear life. What do you reckon with these two teams? Hertha certainly have made a lot of moves compared to most teams in the Bundesliga. They've gotten, you know, Luca Tussar is finally in um, Diavasio's Zeifoik uh, from from Groningen, Cordoba is in Schwolo from from Freiburg. Is it all going to amount to anything, or is it just going to be a sort of B plus fantasy team? Yeah, I think it's that sort of transition year because they they lost they finally got rid of the Ibišević Kalu striking partnership, which is speaking of seventy years old. Um, <laughs> you know, those those guys are no longer there. But your, your favorite Persilian Schelbred has finally gone to. The greener pastures of uh, Ros- Trondheim in, uh, in Norway uh, for Rosenborg. Uh, yeah, did they also seem to have like abandoned completely, like having any use players? You know, like Samarjish went to uh, Leipzig, was they were pretty high on. Um, I mean, the cup game was pretty awful just because of like they played Reykjavik and Stark and okay, like Turun Ruga, I think was suspended. Yeah, and, yeah, Boyata uh, was hurt. Boyata was hurt. So and then like. Peter Pekarik is somehow still around, which I don't really understand, but okay, more power to them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I don't know, I'm not a big fan of, like, I guess Grujic is not coming back no. from Liverpool for, like, the, the 15th time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of, like, the Askasibar, um, Tuzar, because it's like, they're, I don't know, I feel like they don't really do that much for me. Cunha is, is, is a potential breakout star, of course, and Luca Bacchio, there's there's interesting things there. Uh, I, I just think like this isn't. I think people that are talking them up to be like sixth or even fifth. I think that's take crazy pills. Um, I don't know. I, I I see them more in like the nine to ten range, which is, this is going to be more of a which is like going to be disappointment after last season, but. Um, but yeah, like last season, <laughs> I think that was just so horrendous that it'll be hopefully quieter. And and I think like they really could have been the team that, you know, could have brought like a Julian Draxler or some some sort of bigger name player to to the Bundesliga and it maybe brought some more excitement. Um and for Köln, like I guess they're getting Sebastian Anderson as the other sort of big move. Um which I think is is sort of indeed uh I don't know if it's official yet, but that that, that seemed to be heavily reported. 
Um, I guess they lost it all day, so they need they need like some some aerial striker that's gonna you know play play those goals. But losing Cordoba is is, is pretty big. I think they played like Jan Tielman as a number nine in the in the cup, which uh, is very very good goal. And they they fell they fell off a cliff once the Corona thing started. So it wasn't you know they really had like a ten game, which is which is, is a very like Augsburgish season of like they had a good eight ten game run and they were safe from relegation <laughs> with Gistel and then. Before and after were not great. <laughs> they um, rolled over and went back to sleep, basically. And I guess Makut went back to to Schalke, so that's not helping. Um, I still have questions about Jonas Hector as a sort of number six with with Elias Skiri. Um, I don't know. I, uh, defensively, I don't. I don't like. I don't know if, if, if Katerbach and Benno Schmitz, and I'm not really like big on those. Uh, Timo Horn had a pretty horrible season. I, I think he's he's someone who. Uh, <laughs> Is not among the better Bundesliga goalkeepers, so I, I, I don't. I, I even I even feel like Köln might be in relegation trouble. I think that that's going to be like one of my predictions is that they that they and and Gisdol, um could 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 be let go. And uh, yeah, I, I think the advantage that although like Hertha have more media attention on them now, but it's still not compared to anything like Köln. And you know, some someone needs to assume the the Hasfo mantle of crazy media capital and uh, underperforming team uh, combo and and Köln are well equipped to do that. Yep, yep, they are good candidates for that. Well, let's talk now about briefly uh, Schalke, Bremen, and Stuttgart. Very different situations for all of them, but I do think that um, the sort of gathering narrative around all three of those teams, either for reasons of you know panic, financial uh, difficulties in the case of Schalke, or or you know recent history in in Bremen and, and Stuttgart, these are all teams who I think are going to be satisfied with. Um, just staying in the league and maybe getting themselves into mid-table. Who do you reckon has the worst chance of doing that, and who do you reckon might even be able to overachieve in that context? Mm, I still think Schalke have the worst chance, um, although I think they've, they've much improved with learning Paciencia and getting Ibišević to play for like 100K, which is nice of him. Um, a lot of bonuses involved. A lot of bonuses. But, uh, yeah, well, yes, yeah. But uh, I, I think I, I actually them to get relegated on the TV show, which now I kind of would walk back. That was before the Paciencia news, but now they have like two decent strikers. And uh, McKenney is going to be a big loss because of he was he seemed to be the only guy doing stuff for them. And they're still like negotiating the contract with Serdar and they don't have a right back. I guess Sebastian Rudy has to play right back now. That's what they're trying. Like, congratulations. That's 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 the idea because they because Kenny had to go back to Everton and yeah that's uh, but and then they they got you know they're losing in preseason to Erdingen to, to Kevin Cross <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken yeah. Erdingen um, exactly yeah exactly um, so I, I think they they'll be like I don't know twelfth or thirteenth Stuttgart I'm, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about we did a podcast with Chaka Simbaya who. Wrote a wonderful, wonderful Pellegrino Matarazzo, the um, American uh, coach. Um, he profiled him and wrote about his tactics for his website. And I, I did a deep dive on on Stuttgart, and I came away pretty pretty impressed um, just because of his footballing ideas. But there, then again, there's still you know it's basically lots and lots of young guys, and Gonzalo Castro and Daniel Didavi are, are, are still hanging around, and they. Cut uh, Duper and Gomez retired, so um, there's there's you know some younger players, but uh, I, I think a lot of a lot of things have to go right. But but I, I have sort of more faith in them. But I think the team that I have in the most faith in is is, is Werder Bremen, which is going to be weird to, to to say given that they were like minutes away from relegation and had to like basically claw their way back into the 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 basically just to be in the playoff spots, but. Uh, I think they they um, they shedded some some of those contracts uh, with, with with Nuri Shahin and Philip Parkfrede and you know Finn Bartels and Pizarro and all of these guys. But the problem for them is that they don't really have a lot of money, and they had to as soon as the uh, as soon as the uh, the staying in the Bundesliga was confirmed, they had to pay money for Toprak and Bittencourt, and because that's how they worked out the the structure of the previous season. So. Um, they were in a financial hole, and one of the things that I guess I'm going to spoil a little bit of the podcast with with Flo, he was saying that uh, like they they're like 30 million in debt, and no one's really offering more than 18 for Rashica. So 
they're still not going to be, you know, they're going to take, they don't need to take, well, I think they, they might be more in debt, but they're going to take out a 30 million loan. So um, it's unlikely that they'll get like any other players. And But the, but the reason why I'm optimistic is Kofeld and they're not going to get hit with that same crazy injury uh, thing that they were with last season. And they looked good in preseason. And I think even okay in the club, Josh Sargent for the American listeners is, Basically, a, a number one starter. Kofeld said that he can't imagine his team without him. So um, that's certainly good news. Um, whether he's going to score goals is somewhat questionable. Sure. Although he did score a nice one against Siena in the cup. But uh, yeah, I could I could see them. I could see them like I I, actually, I think I think I'm I could see them like borderline compete for the Europa League, even like be, being like finishing like ninth or tenth. So not far off. That that would certainly. Um... <laughs> that would that would mean that they would almost reach the expectations they had last season uh, uh, before before everything went wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, let's turn our attention briefly to to the the you know the plastic clubs that I mentioned before, and we did have uh, listener questions uh, from from a number of people on those. Leverkusen from from Mike Mulcahy in uh, Cincinnati asks, how big is their dip in form going to be now that they have lost uh, you know Mister All World? Uh, Kai Havertz, as well as uh, a guy who scored quite a few goals for them in the last few years, uh, Kevin Folland. I really feel like it's going to be a big dip. I feel like last year was a huge missed opportunity for this team. I'm bearish on Leverkusen this season. Yeah, I'm the same way because of like, even though I'm like the, the probably the number two uh, sort of fanboy of the Florian Florian Wirtz uh, hype train or whatever. Um, and I think he's going to, they're, they're saying he's going to start as like a number eight in like the Julian Brandtor, which which I'm pretty excited by, to, to be honest with you. But uh, I think, like, I, obviously, I don't think he's going to replace Kai Havertz uh, in terms of his numbers, but he's a guy who has star potential. Um, Paulinho, I would have been higher about, but he's out with the ACL. Uh, you know, Leon Bailey is still like getting back from quarantine. Belarabi is still around. I think my, my thing is them that they didn't really upgrade any of the other spots that they had. Like they had needs at fullback. They had probably, you know, some some things that uh, they could have done. Um, I think um, the podcast that I did with Marius Fischer, who follows them a lot, we, we, we kind of went deep on their central midfield issues. And yeah, like you hope Damir Bai has a good season, which which is certainly possible. But I just think they have other other issues. And, and if they, I mean, not making the Champions League was a huge blow because they they could have then probably, um, you know, use some of that money to to have like a quicker replacement for for Havertz because I think right now they're just like not doing that and yeah it's it's hard it's hard for me to see them in the top top five so I I would pick them to be like sixth or even seventh if things go wrong and you could certainly think that things could go wrong with Peter Bosch so I'm not optimistic even though I really like watching them but uh yeah it's it's, it's hard yeah I, I mean the only thing I'm really excited about for next season for them is um is you know as you mentioned Wirtz uh, seeing more of him but also uh I, I think Patrick Schick him being basically a first choice centerpiece uh for for a pretty good Bundesliga side will be fun because, you know, at the moments that he got to be that centerpiece in, in Leipzig, he looked really good. He's a very fun player. Uh, I think that, you know, there's, there's a high uh, probability that he might do some fun stuff. Yeah. He's, he's like, I mean, he's, he's the one, like there's got a lot of qualities, but I think the one primarily the way they use him in Leipzig is, is to be kind of like the outlet for progressing the ball against the press. So it would be like a central defender playing a diagonal pass and he would play the layoff to like one of the like number eights like Zabitzer yeah, or, or Reimer and then you just play the outlets so, whatever yeah yeah exactly so you can certainly imagine that in, in Leverkusen and uh, you know he's he's always going to be a target for because remember like they used Kai Havertz a lot as like the guy to to be the aerial kind of target man uh, full on this he's okay at it Alario was better but Alario is really not good at anything else other than like getting in the box sometimes so um sorry Lucas so yeah I mean no I mean like he's he's backup striker at this point he's like 28 so but uh Schick I mean you, you worry about thing you worry about with him is the injuries right and he was pretty healthy at Leipzig and you know I think I think he's gonna be he's gonna be competent but yeah I mean 
maybe you get like some sort of a Demirbay like Sheikh connection, which is reminiscent of like Hoffenheim with Sandro Wagner and Demirbay or Adam Salahi and Demirbay and something like that happens. Uh, but yeah, I just think they still have a lot of issues elsewhere. So um, he would need to have like a spectacular season, which I don't really see. Any quick thoughts on Hoffenheim? We did have a listener question from uh, Aditya Balaram in South Carolina, just saying, you know, now that uh, Sebastian Honus uh, has taken over, who, you know, really uh, did, did some some good things with Bayern Zwei, do you see them as, as having a somewhat stronger year than last? I mean, they did end up in, you know, sixth place, so it wasn't bad. Uh, but they had, um, you know, some ups and downs, let's just say, uh, under, under Schroeder. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. I think they, they, they could have. I mean, the, the tough part is that they'll be playing Europa League, which, which you know, it's hard. And, and they'll, I think they're already starting, like, Thursday um, in an Albanian opponent. And uh, um, it's it's going to be tough for them. But And they certainly, like, really struggled in the in the cup um, against Chemnitz, which, you know, they needed penalties to beat them. But but I'm a pretty big fan of Hennes. Like, uh, I have a podcast with with the aforementioned Chaka Simbe, who also did a breakdown of him, and I was, came away really excited by by his idea. He plays a lot in the four, four Diamond 2, and, you know, you've got the players for it with Kevin Folk and Grilic, and he can, Gacinovic is going to be interesting because you can interchange him with Christoph Baumgartner, and they've got a lot of, lot of really, uh, like, quality players. Kramaric uh, came on towards the end and he, you know, missed a good chunk with injury. Um, they've got a lot of strikers. Munas Tabur is still the Babu is still there, you know. Um, there's a, a little bit of a, a Joao Klaus, uh, Joao Linton vibes with the Brazilian sort of strikerish person. Um, so I just think, like, yeah, like, I could see them finishing maybe seventh, but, like, having more points than last season. But, uh, I don't know. Like I don't, their their floor is is pretty high, so I don't I don't see them like dropping below tenth or anything. Because um, because Hernes is a good coach. He 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 came. Like I think he was actually in, in Berlin, and uh, Rangnick discovered him coaching in Berlin, and then he took him to the RB school. So and obviously Dieter Hernes is, is is the father, and and Uli, Uli. sure, Danny Danny was Mister Herter for so, a while, and then Uli is the uncle. So, uh, but but actually, you know, he's somebody who deserves to get this job on, on his own merit. So, um, and everything I've, I've, I've read and seen about him has been pretty impressive. So yeah, I think that's a good appointment. Okay. Well, um, and any, any quick thoughts on, on Volsborg before we leave the, the, the plastic residue, uh, behind? Um, yeah, it's, it's a theme I'm like not as excited about. Maybe, maybe, uh, it's a uh, Stefan Ursfeld, uh, is, is, is the right <laughs> correspondent right. For, for this one. Uh, uh, Mr. Wolfsburg himself, but yeah, they got a lot of injuries, uh, especially in the, in the back line. Now they did picked up uh, Lacroix as a young sort of center back who kind of didn't look that great in the cup game. Um, also got a young Polish striker, Bielik, uh, Bartosz Bielik, who's going to play some minutes, I guess, for them. But uh, yeah, like Bilian is injured and Babu is out for several months. Like Roussillon was hurt. I think Otavio kind of came back. I think they played like Felix Klaus at right back. So yeah, Camacho, I think, had to retire. So uh, And they're playing in the Europa League. So that's why I'm not like... I like Glasner, but but they struggled to create goals. I mean, that was kind of their their their, their big thing is that they... And I, they really weren't that impressive in pressing considering uh, what the Glasner sides usually do. I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel like they were like, you know, okay, their, their start was impressive and, you know, with the nine unbeaten matches, but then they, it was kind of, and they didn't, didn't play like any attractive um, football. So I think the Europa League, like we saw them against Shakhtar, it, it was, I mean, it looked pretty horrendous. And now they already have to play after just like, you know, maybe a month and a half, you know, and, I, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like they really strengthened their squad that much, and not a lot of those players have that much higher to go. So, yeah, I think maybe seventh place or eighth. Like that's that's probably where I where I think. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like um, doing as well as they did last year is about the ceiling for them. Okay, we we're, we're already longer than we thought we would be. Sorry. I, I, to both you and to the listener, if you're if you're feeling like it's time to move on, let's quickly um, turn our attention to you know what what I sometimes think of as like the, the little clubs that could teams who basically have really limited financial means and and in a lot of cases 
limited sort of national or international impact, but who, you know, are in some ways really, really good for a surprise, especially when it comes to teams like Freiburg or Union Berlin last year, looked pretty strong at various junctures. But I would also include in that group Mainz, Augsburg, and Bielefeld, teams who are probably going to be more fighting against relegation uh, this season. Uh, whose, whose story are you most excited to follow uh, over the course of this coming season? Um. I'm I'm kind of torn between the two clubs that are connected by this goalkeeper switch, which is Augsburg and Union Berlin, right? Uh, Gikiewicz going to Augsburg and uh, uh, Andreas Lute going to Union, who has not really had like a good start there. But um, Augsburg with Herrlich, you know, um, and it picked up some of the veterans like Strobel and uh, Kalijuri from from Schalke. Um, yeah, Finn Bogason is finally healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, uh, Losing Philip Max is, is a big blow, and obviously Daniel Bayer kind of being forced to retire almost. Like they were just told, like he doesn't have any anywhere to play, and um, that's not great. But but I think they're going to be solid. Like I still don't love like Rani Kadira being a being a nailed on starter, but you know neither like Finn Bogason, Gregoric, Marco Richter, um, Varubin Vargas. It's a, that's not a that's not a bad. Uh, that's certainly not a bad, like, you know, attacking core. And Udokai became a, a finalized transfer. Um, and I think he's going to be good for, for them. A fullback could be an issue. I, I don't, you know, I don't think they've done well uh, to do that. But um, they, they bought a Polish guy, Robert Gumni, who I haven't seen too much of. Uh, they were playing Andre Hahn at right back, which which was, that was going to be my, 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 my tactical hipster moment. But unfortunately, <laughs> they, they bought uh, the Polish defender now, so that, that won't happen. Although he did score over the weekend, so I'm always happy about that as, you know, my... My appreciation for the art art of uh, Andre Hahn and uh, Union, uh, they made some quiet moves. Uh, you know, losing Anderson, which I think they were always going to lose him uh, uh, to to somebody uh, just for six million doesn't doesn't seem like the greatest business. But uh, so then maybe they will bring on some sort of a, a striker. I think Polter also left, uh, but uh, Kruse, you know, you you hope that he's he's motivated. I mean, the Berlin lifestyle is, is probably not that great in terms of like. I mean, he'll be motivated maybe for for the wrong reasons. Um, you can you could talk more about uh, some recommendations for Mr. Max Kruse to sure to, uh, sure. I mean, he will ha- at least have more time. Uh, he, he'll spend less time commuting to and from Berlin uh, to to, to have his fun. Yeah. So that's that's a plus. But yeah, I don't mind like Robin Knoche being picked up. Gieselman has looked good. Like they're, they're going to have an awesome like crossing, you know, Gieselman, uh, Christopher Trimmel to, you know, just you just need now a, a striker, which which is kind of it, it kills that point when you sell Anderson. So maybe you'll get somebody to to head those goals in. Um, but uh, yeah, like Knoche is, 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 was, 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 I think, was a good pickup. They, they, they've changed Schlotterbecks. Now I think they, they've got the younger one. Nicole, it's, uh, it's true. <laughs> The most, he's probably more talented, and yeah, uh, I like that. You know, Grisha Premel is there uh, with Andrich and Gentner. That's a pretty formidable, and and they like. I think they're, they're like the, the the thing that I don't, like. Some people pick them to go down, and I just don't think, don't agree with that because like out of all these teams, they have the clearest identity of like you know they scored thirteen open play goals last year and fifteen from set pieces, and I think they're going to do that again. Like they have a perfect team to 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 do that again, and I I, I think. They're just going to be fine. And Cruz is, is, an, Cruz is a great set piece taker. He'll actually create stuff from open play. Um, Bruter is still there. Is one of my favorite players. So I think they'll be they'll probably be like twelfth or something. So and same thing with Augsburg. Like I'm, I'm pretty safe in those teams. All right. Um, now thinking, I, I guess ahead to more more generalized predictions. I, I feel like um, we probably need to to wrap things up. If we both agree that last year's top four are going to be this year's top four, and I think we do, mm-hmm. yep. what do we? Where, where do we see the Europa League places? And and I think because over the last several seasons, so frequently seventh place has ended up being mm-hmm. a Europa League place, we're we're probably uh, safe to to assume that again. I'm going to say I think Eintracht, Leverkusen, and you know because I am who I am. Uh, Hertha uh, will be yeah. will be in the top uh, five, six, and seven. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the first two, but uh, for the seventh spot, I think there's a number of number of contenders. 
Um, I could think of like Bremen, Hoffenheim, and Wolfsburg, like one of those three. I really yeah. don't think oh, yeah. any of the those other were the ones. That the the are, sane side of me was, was yeah, like picking. the thing that works against Bremen is that whether they lose Rashica or not, and if they do lose him, I think. I mean, there's a lot of like Tahit Chong buzz, which you know, the, the people that follow Man United were just like. I told a couple of people, and they're just looking at me weird, like, you know, like Tahit Chong is a starter for Bremen, and they're like, okay, um, but uh, yeah, like maybe Hoffenheim, I guess. Um, that, 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 like, if I had to like somebody put a gun to my head, I would pick them to be seventh. Sure. Yeah. 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 That that was that was probably the one that. Um the uh, you know non euphoric uh, side of me was was most convinced by. Okay, well, fair enough. Where do you see uh, the teams the teams uh, making up the relegation battle? Yeah, I think like there's one clear candidate, and this is nothing against like Bielefeld, which well, I mean there is something against Bielefeld, the city, which you know may or may not exist, as as, as I think the people in Germany always say, um, and then. They, they. I just think their squad is pretty weak. Although they were probably the best team in the the Zweitliga by, by a pretty decent margin, and I like what Uwe Neuhaus generally does. And they, they, they bought like Cordova from Augsburg, but I don't know. I, I, I think you know they've got my mainest man Sven Schiplock, so I'm excited for that. Like that's, but they already got bounced out by Essen in the cup, so I feel like they're 18th. Fairly, fairly uh, comfortably. I'm fairly comfortable in saying that. Then about the other, the other team that would go down, I could see like Köln and Schalke or or Mainz or even Freiburg, who lost a bunch of you know players in Bautschmidt and, and Koch, and you know I, I think either of those teams could could go down pretty easily. Yep. I, I wouldn't make a prediction. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm leaning towards Mainz as being uh, a relegation candidate uh, out of those teams that have been sort of a mainstay in the first division for for the last few years. Um, I, I think you've probably convinced me about Augsburg, but I, I'm I'm probably less uh, certain than than you are. Um, but yeah, I, I think out, uh, I think Bielefeld uh, and Mainz are are probably the likeliest candidates to go down, and then yeah, my my relegation uh, playoff uh, finisher. Is I'm still wavering, but at the moment I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Augsburg. Hmm. I would I would pick like either Köln or Schalke because um, the the like the everything going wrong factor is much higher than than like a Mainz or Freiburg. It's true. It's but, true. Yeah, yeah. So I just go with that. But like with with the Schalke signings lately, I I think maybe they'll be less of a candidate than, than Köln. I don't really like their moves. What do you mean? You don't think Andre Duda is gonna gonna turn their uh, their ship around? Yeah, not not so much. <laughs> okay, that is it for this edition of Talking Foosball, which was produced as always by Aiden Rantoul. It's really good to have you back on this podcast. You were, you know, a mainstay for really quite a long while. And I hope uh, everybody out there is is just as psyched as I was to have had you back. No, uh, for sure. It's uh, obviously something I always really enjoy uh, talking to you and talking to, uh, you know, just being part of Talking Foosball. And I actually just spent a little bit of time uh, talking to Flo Reinecke um, today. So another Talking Foosball connection. I've spent spent some time talking to uh, James Thorogood uh, over the summer when he was doing Europa League. So it's, it's definitely something that uh, will always be kind of a part of, part of my life. And I'm always happy to come on and chat uh, Bundesliga with you, Matt. Spectacular. Yeah, I, I can't wait to listen to you and Flo talk uh, talk Werder. I saw that hit the uh, the timeline a couple of hours ago. I haven't, haven't heard it yet, but I, I will be for sure. You can follow Abel on Twitter at BundesPL. Of course, you can read his work on the, uh, the essential newsletter, Bundesliga Bulletin. If you want to contact us here at the pod, do hit us up at Talking Foosball on Twitter. Please, uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast. Do rate us. Tell your friends about us. You know, tell anybody who watches German football to, you know, keep watching. Check in with us every week. We'll be here uh, every step of the way. This is next in Mal, y'all. 